Welcome back to another episode of What About Dad? My name's Adair, and this is... Jen. And uh, we're going to be going over Supergirl episode 213, Mr. and Mrs. Mixus Fiddling. Ooh, I think I got it. hey Anyways, sit back, relax, and ask yourself, what about that? So let's go ahead and give the synopsis of this episode. Once again, it's episode 213, Mr. and Mrs. So here we go. When Mr. Mixispitalik, a magical imp, shows up on Earth and declares his love for Kara, she tries to let him down easy, thinking him harmless. However, he decides it's a challenge and starts to wreak havoc on National City. Manal has seen beings like Mr. Mixispitalik on Daxam and knows how dangerous they can be. He and Kara argue over how to get rid of Mr. Mixispitalik, further uh, straining their relationship. Meanwhile, Alex and Maggie celebrate their first Valentine's Day together. So there it is. Woohoo! Yay! Let's start from the beginning. The main title character, Mr. Mixispitalik. Go ahead and say that, Jen. No, I don't think I can. <laughs> Mixispitalik. Spittle in there. Mr. Spittalik. Get your filthy spittle away from me. All right, go ahead. What you got? Oh, you want me to want yeah, me to go first? Oh, yeah, well, I see. Interesting. I really, really like this character. I thought he was really awesome. I actually, I don't know, he was kind of the saving grace, in a way, of this episode, so there was that. I really, really liked his entrance. I thought every single Carmel shipper and every Super Corp shipper on the face of the planet probably all screamed at the same time when he interrupted the kiss, except for different reasons, which made me laugh. I loved his whimsical feel. Uh, I loved how he was super charming from the get-go. So uh, the, uh, the part of the episode when uh, he is wooing in the very, very first minutes of, of the show, and he's talking about seeing the uh, car across the galaxies and, and things like this, I loved it because he felt very genuine in his, you know, childlike or kind of craziness. I don't know, I thought it was kind of hot, so, you know, there's that. That's always not a bad thing. He's played by Peter uh, Gadet, uh, Godoit, excuse me, Peter Godoit, and I thought he was wonderful. I did see him on um, Once Upon a Time, Playing the Genie, so that was kind of nice to see him again. What do you got? I wrote down that I really enjoyed the energy from the opening scene. I really enjoyed the monologue from a writing perspective. I thought he had the best lines in the show and I really, like, in the monologue, he gets to sing A Whole New World while he's proposing. He got the fandom line of getting to call Monel tall, dark, and blandsome. God, I love I that part. That. Oh, that's my favorite. I feel favorite. like that's, like, <laughs> the critique of, there's the audience screaming back <laughs> at the tall, character. Tall, dark, and blandsome. Um, like, it's like they heard our words on Twitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. The writer's like, we got this tweet. Let's put it into language. Um, internal International man about town. I thought, I love that description of him. And I felt like he certainly was that international man about town. You know what that reminds me of? Um, um, young Frankenstein. <laughs> when, uh, is it Young Frankenstein? Yeah, when he's like, uh, the man about town. Is that part of, I think it might have been the uh, Young Frankenstein, the musical. But nonetheless, he's like, the, it just reminded me of that. I don't know. Uh, he has a few, he has, he's omnipotent, but he has a few things that he can't do. And so he's here to woo Kara and win her heart, but there are some things he can't do. He can't force her to marry him. Uh, he can't force her to fall in love with him. He can't force her to drink orange juice, and he can't force her to kill him herself. 
And I thought that was a great list of criteria that kind of <laughs> the built dude. the character. <laughs> and other than that, you can pretty much do anything you want. I loved his perspective of humanity. How, especially when, especially during the scene where they're fight, where Kara's, oh, there's a bank robbery and Kara's, you know, stopping the robbers and he shows up and he kind of really, uh, he turns the guns on the robbers. A straight up X-Men. Like right? that's, honest to God, that was like so X-Men-y. I was like, what's going on? And I love the moment where Kara, like, she has a little funny moment in there. She stops all the bullets, and the guy is like, thank you, Supergirl. And she's like, man. She smashes him in the head. I thought that, I thought you know, that was great. was actually kind of cool that I totally just thought of now. The fact that, like, we all knew he was going to be fun, and he was going to be ha-ha-ha, and we knew eventually he was going to get dangerous. But how kind of scary is it to have a character that seems so fun-loving and probably is a good creature in general, but in his playful ha-ha-ha, he was willing, not even willing, he didn't even know he was doing it, about to turn a gun and shoot three guys, just point blank. Right. Like, he, just, he was so powerfully OP that he doesn't even has like... no concept of, no concept. of life. Of life. <laughs> That's what it is. And I thought that that character really, that was a great way of showing it. Yeah. I love seeing him show up as Superman. That's Super M. That was a great scene. And I love the extras who are like, there's a group of extras who are like, look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. And then they kind of like, give <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, for those who don't know what extras are, I mean, in the, you know, who aren't in the industry, they're the people in the background who, who you see filling out the space. <laughs> if, you, if you find yourself looking at the people in the background, then they're doing their job. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> there's actually a shout out to, a, I don't know her name, but there's a blonde extra in this episode who is doing her job. I really liked her, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, I thought that he, he was whimsical and he really, really wooed Kara. I wrote down that I really enjoyed the chemistry between Kara and Peter Godoy. Godoy? I really enjoyed their chemistry so much so and I really felt that their chemistry was in the beats that were between him, his delivery and her reception of the line, especially in like things like when Kara's like, you know, overwhelmed by his presence and she and he's like, she's like, are you crazy? You can't just put me in a wedding dress. And then he's like, why not? It's Vera Wang. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> you had a really great, um, and this might go into your our next kind of, you know, talking point, but you were talking about how during the monologue he has to Car in the beginning, he says he's seen her through all the universes right. and stuff, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, you know, the whole reason why he wants to be with Kara is because he's from the fifth dimension, and in the comic book universe, they've talked about how there are multiple Supergirls existing at the same time, and he's this omnipotent creature who's traveled through all of the time, and he's seen her over and over and over. So he knows her better than she knows herself in a way. And he tells her something, and I think it's like, we were talking about it, it's like the, kind of like the truest information or the, like, the most knowing information in the whole episode about Kara herself, which is that he's seen her in multiple timelines and multiple lives, and she's doomed to an eternity of loneliness. And it's really, really interesting because, you know, we do love Supercore and we do love Carmel, but ultimately is, you know, the question, is Supergirl going to end up with anybody at gonna all? Going to end up alone or just in her quest, right, and just keep living. And, you know, in that aspect, it really does make Mr. Spedowick 
maybe there is a chance for him down the line, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's what I talked about, I think, the last episode of, you know, kind of why there's a like-ish thing for Carmel because he <laughs> is one of the only beings next to Mixus Well, that's that not might... true. Well, I know, I know, but, like, right now... There are a lot of aliens on the planet that we don't know what their well, life expectancy true, is. true, true, true. And I'm just saying, like, in general, what they're showing us right now. Mm-hmm. You know, but if he sees this thing as her being alone the whole, you know, the rest of her life, you know, or never being with anybody truly, you know, it's like, oh, that's kind of heartbreaking, you know, right. because we love Alex, we love all these people, but we know they're human. All her human connections are going to go away. And right, and he tells us the truth about her, you know, she, yeah. he's only ever seen her lonely, and he's lonely, you know, so I thought that was really important. Um, the other thing about him was the other, t- I think, okay, so when he wasn't interacting with Kara in their scenes, which I thought were really, really strong. He had a scene with Monel, and it was they had this kind of like gunfight for, yeah. for over Kara, yeah. and the gunfight in a theater, and it was Hamilton asked. He had a few thoughts on that. Yeah, Mr. And Mrs. Spittle, like he is charming. I really liked it. They gave the Hamilton heyo, which just kind of shows you about pop culture and things like that right now. And I thought that was really kind of interesting. Even that he said, I'm more of a Burman myself, and you're a Hamilton, which is he, though? <laughs> I thought he was a Burman. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. I mean, is Monel more of a Hamilton? I think he absolutely is a Hamilton. I think that whole scene was a reference to what you brought up. In the comic books, Manel has an allergy to Oh, yeah, no, iron. I mean, I get that. I'm talking about more... I got he from I thought represents him as I like thought, the bullet. I thought that scene, other than the fact that it had a lot of male aggression and um I felt like that was the biggest foreshadowing to Monel's fate. We tease this idea that he's allergic to iron and then and he bring points it up the every gun. Time. Yeah, it's been brought up a couple of times actually. It's been brought up like three times. And then we have him tied up in it, and then we have the gun pointed at him, but he doesn't shoot. And I felt like that in itself was very, very, very like foreshadowing what the future is for yeah. this character. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I figured he was like a Hamilton because of the gunshot, but I was saying like in personality or dignity, whatever, same thing. I think the, the the winner in the scene was the wardrobe. <laughs> Can we <laughs> just take a brief, like, hey-yo to the wardrobe department? They're amazing. They are killing it. They like, dress everybody just so well. really well. Like, I haven't seen, who, who, have I seen someone dress silly? You know, some of the cars, like, her day, but I mean, if it's on purpose to be quirky, but like yeah. they're still good. They're you know good because like, I've seen girls wear that kind of stuff, which like, is awesome. Um, I'm wearing this shirt like that right now. <laughs> um, final note to close on this character was we see him in the last scene, and Kara's draw- drawn him to the the fortress of a solitude, solitude. and. She's going to marry him, but we know it's like a ploy. She shows up with orange juice. How much shade can you throw, Kara? I mean, really. Because he can't get her to drink orange <laughs> yes. juice. Right. I didn't get that till right oh, now. She like, but she, that, that means she had to fly wherever she went to. Homegirl flew with a cup of orange juice. <laughs> and didn't spill a drop. Didn't spill a right. <laughs> I thought like, well, I thought what made this character was the fact that he was willing to, in the end, ultimately give up himself to save her and that he tells her the universe needs you, you know, so he gives up himself and he gives her up and he sacrifices. And I think, you know, for all the evil stuff that he did in the episode, 
I was not convinced that he was an evil character. No, not at all. And that's the cool thing about that character. He is, as she calls him, Mr. Mixie. Um, I thought it was he's an anti. He's an anti-villain. So sometimes he can be a complete dick, obviously. <laughs> and then sometimes he can use that OP power for good. So uh, what about Kara? Kara, we have so much to talk about, girl. You know, you can go first. Okay, so with Kara... Oh, yes, there's just so much. I mean, so there much. was... Such... Like, will she end up in an eternity of loneliness? I want to know now. <laughs> I want to know. And exactly. I think that's tragic, but I, I would love a tragic Kara hero. Well, okay, so there was a uh, YouTuber. Goodness, I wish I could pronounce uh, her username because it's just difficult. But she had brought something to my attention when I was like watching her reviews. And she was saying, like, you know... Normally there are there is a three-story arc or a three-act arc that goes every season. First season, we get to know Supergirl. Second season, we get to know Kara and everybody who's involved with her and their relationship, which is what we're in now. This is why a lot of people complain about season two being relationship-heavy, but I think they're really doing this on purpose. Now that we're coming towards the end of uh, two, it's going to be tragic because coming into three tends to be the change for the rest of that person's life, that character's life. I think something bad, really bad, is going to happen in the act, coming up third act. in the third act, aka the third season or the end of this, going into <coughs> the third season. That's going to really change Kara's not necessarily bubbly personality. She's gonna go dark a little bit, not as not like crazy, but there's gonna be something that changes her outlook. So what I was saying as uh, a, you know, I think that. She is going to go dark. And with that, we see a lot of trepidation. And I don't know what they did this season with her character. They made her very weak. Like, Monel and her, okay, because in this episode, they kind of go hand in hand. Well, very much hand in hand. There is an interesting dynamic there. There are things I consider okay. I saw growth with them, but at the same time, I saw a lot of steps going backwards. I, I don't think they're a good couple. We'll talk about why that is. I mean, <laughs> starting from the top, which is the opening scene and how how Monet. I was saying this earlier to you, um, in the first scene when Mister Mississippiolik, I can't get through that. <laughs> Mister Mississippiolik shows up. This whole episode, Mister Mister Miss, Mister Mr. and Mrs. Mississippiolik. Uh, this whole episode, he's just really there to challenge Monel, you know and kind of like play against this character yeah. but I felt like I was telling you this Adair um the moment we see this other man enter Kara's life that Monel his first response to him is to challenge the other man and become very possessive and be like she's my girl and he kind of like puts his arm in front of Kara and reaches over her kind of like this very possession physical movement that I was like woo, and I feel like he goes from zero, because a second ago they were almost kissing, barely admitting that they kind of like each other. He goes from zero to being the man in her life, and then he doesn't turn it down. They never crank it down. It's just at this really high level in every scene that he's in, and it makes sense for who he is, and I know we, but I also feel like in every scene we just get this ultra... Super I think, aggressive dude. Yeah, he, they should have scaled as soon as he got shipped to the DEO. I could have been like, oh, yeah, I could have seen him being annoyed. But he could have uh, you know, calmed it down or cooled down thinking that, okay, well, you know, whatever. He is an imp. He knows what the deal is. If he already knows this creature, 
he doesn't have to be jealous necessarily right off the bat because he's seen these creatures and he knows what they can do. He should have been chill and then subtle things or like ways that maybe Carr was reacting to Mixospitalic. That's what I would have liked to see make him jealous, not Mixospitalic's acts. Because he's a stranger by all means. If he knows Kara, she's going to be like, who the hell are you? Uh, I'm not going to be swept off my feet by a dude who I don't know anything about. <laughs> you know? He doesn't He doesn't trust Kara to... He like, doesn't trust Kara. He doesn't trust Kara to not exactly be swept off, for, not to fall for the trick. And you I know? think because and he's... the trick is so obvious. Yeah, but I think because he is used to being the trickster. He's used to, like he said, to win... You know, just kind of discarding women. So I bet he was the one who was doing all those tricks, and he was, and girls were falling for it. You know, this at least the girls he was going for were falling for all the tricks and falling for all the the uh, pageantry. Because let's be honest, he's probably the prince of Daxum. So they spoiler, were, <laughs> spoiler alert! If you didn't get <laughs> all the clues by now, they're just taking a year to get to that. Oh God! <laughs> and so, like, I think that's one of the things he might just be used to women falling for those tricks, and so he meets a girl that he likes and thinks shit, another guy comes around who's going to have the same, you know. Well, you talked about it right from the beginning. His response to there being inter-fifth-dimensional creatures is that at his planet, Daxim, um, basically they kill them all. And I brought up the point that, yeah, his first gut reaction is to kill this guy. And I brought up the point that the Dax, that the fifth-dimensional being has chosen to take the form of the human and that the humans basically look like Daxonites. So if I'm a Daxonite and I see a fifth dimensional being on my planet taking a Daxonite form, which is basically a human form, I'm basically killing another human. And to me, that's like a really heavy way to like vision, envision this response. That's this really intense negative response that he's having to um, to Mr. M. <laughs> Mixie. 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 She calls him Mr. Mixie. <laughs> um, I felt like that was really, like, once again, him being this ultra-aggressive guy. And I thought that one of the points of no return for Monel in this episode was stealing the artifact, the art, the convenient artifact, to go and challenge him. Well, I mean, yeah. And like we were saying earlier about, like, Car and Monel, he's approaching her with no trust because he still doesn't understand. Like, I, once again... I think a lot of the bad choices or things that are going on or not reading are possibly directorial issues mm-hmm. or just acting issues. Because honestly, even the actor who, uh, Peter uh, Godoy, if yeah. he was playing Monel, I have a feeling there'd be a lot more chemistry and right. a different delivery on stuff. I almost feel like he's too caricature to be serious because. Oh, uh, Monel. To, to Monel. Okay. Because. Like, Peter is playing this whimsical ha-ha-ha, but also a slight, like, evil character. And it's completely believable from the moment you see him on screen. Even from the end of the last episode, you were, like, sucked in. So I I honestly think it's just a um, a character-actor situation. You know what I'm saying? I think that's true. I talked about the chemistry between uh, Peter Godoy and uh, Kara. Melissa. I thought that if I had to list out who I who I shipped, it would probably be like Kara and Lena, then Kara and Mr. Mister Mr. Mr. Spitalik, and then it would be <laughs> Kara and Wynn, because I think he makes more sense for her, and then it would be Kara and Monel, because I feel like he's just, right, the, the they're, they're missing the beats 
Like Lena has the really great pauses in her speech. So does Mr. Mr. Spitalik. He has these great pauses in his delivery, especially in the lines like, you know, you know, but it's their way. And, or, or like, he, he's like, I'm here to court you and you will fall in love with me. Just the way, the way he delivers that as an actor, I feel like you just get that chemistry falling off the, the TV. I'm like, wait, sir, when are you coming back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, I would like to see him more. Uh, right. And I feel like in this episode with Kara, there was, it, it was just, you said she, something so important. She totally just got delegated to the girlfriend and delegated, that's not the, like, sorted into the girlfriend role. You talked about her being dumbed down. The dumbing down. It's like, you don't trust me. I asked you to just let, to believe me. Mm -hmm. And yet, nobody seems to listen to her. Right. <laughs> like, he's not listening to her. You know, it's like, okay, Mixie's not listening to her. She's getting super frustrated. She's like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. I think the OP in the show, um, the overpowered men in the show are taking away her power are taking away her power because it's like oh well then she becomes a damsel she is the most she powerful becomes... person in the show but she's the Full weakest on. yeah and they're no taking reason. away her power by taking away her um, agency yeah that's what it is and i totally understand like making like, Kara taking her agency throughout the episode yeah i understand making Kara like civilian Kara weak because that's how she perceives herself mm -hmm. but like when it comes to supergirl i'm like Giving her no other options. Yes, I'm going to marry you. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, stuff like, like that. And then the whole episode was just like her being mad that no man was listening. Nobody's listening to me. How am I going to get rid of this guy who wants to marry that me? That has everything to do with <laughs> them putting her in a position where she has had her agency taken and these guys are now, you know, driving the car for Supergirl. Yeah. And making choices for her. I think the next thing we should talk about going into that would be the fight scene. Yeah, what about that? Okay, well, here it is. This is what I wrote for the fight scene. This is the kind of scene that actor, that writers get really excited about because it's almost like a scene you'd get in a play because it's so long. And I think that it was probably maybe two to three pages. To clarify, we're talking about the conversational fight scene between uh, Monel and Kara, not the parasite nor the Hamilton yeah, it fight. It was the verbal one. <laughs> the verbal it, spar. It takes place on the floor of the DEO, and they have this kind of like, uh, barefoot in the park, Neil Simon moment where they're having this this like fighty scene in front of everyone in the DEO agency. The first thing I thought was all these extras are not fucking reacting to this giant brawl in the middle of the DEO, and you know you don't have anyone like giving. Where's the blonde girl? We I'm, I'm telling you, I mean she did make a cross at one time. She made a cross. But, like we were my, watching her. Yeah, my thing is like it's very honeymoonish, like old school TV honeymoon, except. Like it, it. Let me rephrase that. It tried to be honeymoon. It tried, it tried to be something, and then it that just it, it wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> and I, I basically watched it, and I was like, "This is probably three pages long." And I thought it was very long. I thought acting wise, they had to keep the scene alive, um, meaning like it could become slow and back and forth and kind of predictable unless you make different acting choices. Um, I felt like there was. I felt like there were a few dramatic beats missing, and I felt like the opening of this scene, I felt that Monel's lines were a little too hard-hitting, and because of that, there was a total pacing issue with the scene itself. So I'm going to go ahead and say what really bothered me, and then you can go ahead and tell yeah. me what you thought. Um, so 
the first thing Monel says to her, I'm defending your honor. And then she fight, comes back with saying, I'm not some damsel in distress. And this is something she's told him since day one that he didn't need to do. And also, I mean, she's the most powerful woman in the, in the whole world, the most physically powerful woman in the whole world. And that's like, even if he is from another planet, you kind of come to another planet and see what's up and fall in line. And then the second thing he says to her, I felt was like even lower. I felt like this was a point of no return. He tells her, you're not a good judge of what you can handle. And I thought that was like really, really, really this man taking away this woman's agency and telling her what she can and cannot handle. And I'm going to tell you what you can handle. And then there's a moment where she just kind of does this physical shrug and then the, the, her, her voice gets caught in her throat and her eyes go wide and she's kind of smiling. He's just told her the two most offensive things she could possibly ever hear that she's constantly trying to defend. And, you know, she kind of laughs it off and it becomes this comedy scene. And I felt like that beat was totally, totally, totally off. I was like offended. We just had this really, in this country, this huge election where, you know, privileged guy got to say terrible stuff on a national stage to a woman. And then we had this huge woman rising where we had this woman's, woman's march. So I feel femininity is kind of being attacked right now and we're very kind of in a sensitive place. So to really hear this where you have a show that's, you know, a powerhouse with the most powerful woman in the world, character being Supergirl... To hear this character tell her that, to me, it was really just, I found it very, very off-putting. And what about this? All right. um, for me, though, no, that's my rant. <laughs> no, that's right. And for me, I totally understood what Jim was talking about in that same particular moment. And I guess because I, when I'm watching TV, I can separate, I get how the writers are putting real life tension into a scene. Um, but then part of me just goes, well, TV. And the part of me goes, well, I want to see the character's backstory and why the character would say that. For me, yes, the shoulder shrug did bother me because this whole quote-unquote fight felt very confusing. There were a lot of truths that were being said on both sides that could hurt and could harm but were accurate, but then were being covered up with ha-has and like shoulder shrug and like quote-unquote comedy. And so I was like, wait, you just said, it was like almost backhanded compliments left and right but nobody was noticing or, or taking, um, they weren't rebuttaling or reacting to it. They were just like letting it go over their head. When, you know, she, I get that Monel is a prince, let's be honest once again. And I'm sure that he is used to having to have a woman just be the woman, oh, be in the kitchen, you know, make me a sandwich kind of thing. I have a feeling that's what Daxum is very about. And so he is used to that life. Now, we had brought it up earlier that, you know, Monel has bad habits. I think they're bad habits from living in a particular type of world where he didn't know anything outside. Very reminiscent of what's going on today in our country. Not everybody is a bad person at heart. They just grew up in a bubble. And I think he grew up on the Daxon bubble that were chauvinistic, sexist. But he said, you know, even when he wants to be a new person, he said, I don't really agree with that prince, you know, in the, yeah. in the last episode. So I think when he says, um, I was trying to be a, um, you know, a good person, I was trying to protect you, I think 
he really did mean it, but the way he said it was really douchey, <laughs> and so it came off wrong. I felt like he had this line where he tells, he's, he's following her, and he tells her, you're harder on me than him, and I thought that was so not true. I, She's never had that expectation on him. That he, she wanted him to be a superhero, and he was like, no, it's not in me. Don't, you can do it, you know? Well, yes and no. Uh, she has always been hard on him, even in the beginning, because she was very racist towards him. Um, she was planetist, speciesist, mm -hmm. but yeah, she was definitely racist towards him for the longest time. And then, of course, she's like had to get over herself and then has like, she has been slightly more hard on him, but at the same time, he's been super ignorant resistant and, towards her and learning. And that's why, even though, you know, Jen, we uh, disagree on this, I think he has grown from when we first saw him, even though. I think the writing could have gone a lot farther given the time we've had with them. And but I that was like an eight-minute scene, it felt like. It was and perfect. it didn't bring anything to us know. other than like... Right, you have to look at the purpose of the scene. I was like, I don't and know. I felt like that line, you're harder on me than... I felt like he sounded like a whiny little man child. And he, he was a little whiny there, you know? And, and then, and then, but like you look at the purpose of the scene, right? And what is really established is like that he's jealous. But we established that the second... The other guy came into the scene in the in the very first scene we established she was jealous we built on his jealousy we didn't build on his rage his rage stayed really at a high level the entire time but the scene was if it was to establish his jealousy then in my opinion it ran way too long okay so what about um oh what about when you know Ooh, yes what about when what about when i like when he's adorable i thought he was great <laughs> <laughs> i'm like he's adorable and um what's her name laura Lara. Lara. <laughs> Played by uh, Tamsin Merchant. Man, I really was feeling that, and yet I'm a little skeptical. Um, I really got a Buffy the Vampire Angel slash, like, um, what do they call Klingon feel from her? Yeah. Because uh, she, like, showed up just blonde, small girl, you know, with that face piece, and was just kicking ass, you know, two kicking two big dudes behind, and you're like... Girl, okay, that was so 90s Buffy. Um, and I liked that. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. And I liked her face makeup. I I didn't actually like her face makeup. Um, I like that she looked like a Klingon. Well, no, I liked her design. Something that I was like, ugh, it bothered me because I guess I've been watching too much Face Off, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is very plausible. But I really don't like the blending of her makeup because I can see where her piece starts. Her attachment on the side. And and at the top, and I was like, this can be better. Even the quote-unquote black alien who was beating mm -hmm. up Wynn, if you look behind his ear and like the discoloration, I was like, could we not? <coughs> I mean, Mazel tov, I get it. It's not my profession, yeah, but like, I've seen better. So like, it kind of bothers me. If you're especially going to make her a main character, like, come on, guys. They clean it up a bit. That just, that kind of bothered me. But I really like her and at first I didn't know she had an accent I was like wait is she trying an accent or does she have an accent she's trying not to have an accent couldn't figure it out because it kept going in and out so there's that but I like the chemistry I loved actually the chemistry between Wynn and her I liked the fact that even Wynn <laughs> and an alien who he just met has more chemistry <laughs> than Monel and Kara <laughs> but to be, yeah, okay. Uh, I loved uh, the end of Wynn and, and um, Lara, like, you know, my favorite line the whole episode. He goes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> like, you just, like, please take, oh, 
sorry, I he had was to back thirsty real quick. He was real thirsty. <laughs> Hold on, real quick uh, before you go on uh, about when I have to backtrack because there was something that when showed me that made me actually feel a little bit bad for Bonnell. The only time in this entire season that I believe the actor, <laughs> Chris Wood playing Monel, was in the scene where he is begging for a car not to marry Mrs. Spittle. <laughs> I totally said that wrong. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Spittlewick. Because that was the first time he had nothing other than Kara. And he was very, very like, just whatever you do, do not marry him. Like, I actually felt... But there and again, like, look at that goes back to the trust thing. Well, this is the thing. It's not even... He didn't say he didn't it as a trust. trust her. No, it wasn't It wasn't that. It wasn't in that moment. To me, when I saw it, did not feel like a, I don't trust you to not marry him. It was a, I am actually really scared, and I've never experienced this feeling before of not wanting to lose something because I wasn't good enough. Do you think the actor thought that in the moment, or do you think that was what just came off? I actually think that was just the actor being present, being present in the scene and actually saying it. Because in his eyes and in the way he really, really said it, that was the first time I instantly was like, oh, now if he would have come with that for the whole damn season, maybe we could have talked about something. I just feel like this dude. I actually felt really bad for mom now and i don't think it was about Kara necessarily just i say kudos to the actor for that moment i give praise what praise is due and this that scene was really good to me because i really i just felt bad like i i i felt the hurt of i have never had to experience it there are people who really want love but have no idea how to go about it or have never really felt love and so when they might feel real love, they have no idea how to handle it. They don't even know it's love. They're like, is this gas? How do I feel? What's going on? Oh, I have my heart burned. Like, I don't understand. You know, so I thought, just to backtrack a little, I liked that scene. Back to when. <laughs> I thought that the best time I saw when with another person this season was when he went out with Monel. And I was like, I ship this. <laughs> They have adorable chemistry together. Oh, Lordy. That's <laughs> I crack so... shipped that. It was great. <laughs> crack shipped it. <laughs> I'm going to make crack about it. Just kidding. I thought that when, you know, getting to hook up with the alien chick, you know, on... Oh, I wrote this note. During that scene when Wynn starts to make out, like, like she bites his lip and then throws him on top of a pool table that the music editor had so much fun with this scene because he chose a song. And literally, while they're making out, the song in the background is just like, bang, 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 bang. They're going to bang, bang. Yeah, <laughs> the singer hilarious. kept, like, just randomly singing <laughs> bang, bang. In the and back. I thought, like, you know, of course, this, Go this back woman and look at it. showing up who funny. wants to bang win is overly convenient sub story plot C. I, I really... It's gonna come back to bite him in the butthole. And speaking <laughs> of buttholes, I thought that there was a whole this opened up a whole question about human alien relations. Oh lord, and the autonomy of go. how that happens. We're it's like a donkey gonna... and a horse having sex. How do you know she can have normal parts? Just her face. We don't know. She's an alien. Uh, I don't know. And that's the question. It's a little weird. How'd that work out for him? I don't know, um, but you trying to slap me? No, no, I didn't want you to uh, smack the mic because you keep getting very close to where it's at. Um, no, what I was gonna say is that 
I really like his um, honesty, Wynn's honesty at the table uh, when he goes, I have no problem with potentially falling for an alien. I have a problem with potentially falling for anybody. And amen to that, brother. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that is so honest. Nowadays, people are so hurt and have been so hurt that you don't want to feel anymore. You're just like, I'm more scared to even like anybody because even if it's one-sided, it's so much work on my head, <laughs> you know, and it's so hard. So I'm just telling you, I, the I alien, like, Monel, oh and then the more the merrier. Oh, jeez. I very much like that, and I, I'm a little weary of her because I think there's a lot of shade involved. I don't know. I, I like her, but we know nothing about her other than she likes to have sex. And I don't know. Alien type sex. <laughs> hey, apparently she's a little dominant, and Wynn likes that. Yeah, she's right. like, take me to dinner. He's like, okay. She's like, take me to your house, okay. Oh, well, can I just say how funny that music was in the background of that scene? <laughs> There's a scene where it's like this nice dinner music from a nice restaurant. It's clearly a nice upscale restaurant, but where they are, in fact, is like a diner. So let's get into Sanders. I have a question for everybody. Do you think it's marketing or baiting that they were doing with the whole Sanders storyline? Because we have people going for weeks, oh, the Valentine's special, it's Sanders-centric, it's blah, 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 it's going to be wonderful. Do you think that it's right or that it was just marketing? Because let's be honest, Sanders, four minutes, and I can fit their whole interaction in this episode in the monologue or the fight scene that Karin right. and uh, Monel had. So that's what I want you guys to kind of shout out to me and ask me about. Because I'm just like, is it marketing and good ploy? Because we all watched it. Or is it just like clearly queer baiting and trying to get a bunch of gay people to watch? Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, for the, the sake of Sanders. Because clearly it was Kara and Monel heavy. Um, but I thought it was adorable, grumpy, angry Maggie. Uh, oh, I don't like Valentine's, Blah. you know, the, the usual. It was a simple story. It was very simple. And actually from the moment I heard it, I knew where it was going. Yep. But I, I enjoyed the way the actresses played it and I enjoyed the writing. Can we just give a clap to, uh, Floriana Lima? Cause I mean, really that scene of her and that story, they're really good at writing those <coughs> moments. And although I'm still a little annoyed of how she left the room, um, because she was going to leave anyways, she did the monologue, and then she left pretty much a little deflated, but the same exact way. I feel like she maybe... She left exactly how you would think that storyline, that It was just very predictive. It was very yeah. Everything was paint by numbers on there, which, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I was a little bummed out. Of course, they're not going to, you know... They had the one little kiss and the, and, the, and the dance, but it just felt less romantic than... I felt like it felt like a fan fiction. <laughs> it felt like just like... It like honestly felt like the, the writers were like, a fan here, here yeah. Sanders fans, Watch let's move on. I say the bit I thought was real cheesy was like when she Maggie rolls in and she like goes into the apartment of Alex and Alex like opens the door and she's like in a little thing. It's like... They're, you know, like, yeah. oh, I thought that was so cheap. I mean, I just kind of feel like, I don't know about y'all, but when's the last time, you know, you've seen, like, eh, I'm good. Like, I don't know. How many lesbians actually have a bunch of just randomly 90s just, you know. Oh, here's a thought. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Here's a thought, people. This is my question, right? So Kara has two 
rooms of flowers. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Spicker are like, <laughs> and Lena, and Lena, both her house and her apartment is full of flowers. <laughs> And I was like, so Monel's really slipping on this whole I'm like, I bet you they were roses in her office and roses in her house. Let's not even. I'm thinking Lena gets her like antique roses. Sitting sitting everybody into a tizzy. But the one thing I was going to say is A, are are Sanders like you hauling? Because I swear, I know they're not going to show Maggie's house, but like Maggie has like a key. Like she's just there. How long have they been dating? Also, it kind of bothered me because I wasn't sure. This is the first time I wasn't sure what Kyler was telegraphing. Was she excited and nervous to tell Cara kind of things when Cara's like, what do you know about, you know, your girlfriend? And she's like, uh, uh, bonsai trees. Uh, she likes guns and bourbon. I thought it was so freaking sweet. I thought it was sweet, but there was moments where I was like. list of things. But it wasn't a laundry list. It was like four things. Like. She could have done something like, oh, what is she like? Well, I mean, her favorite color is yellow. I mean, she kind of likes it. Like, I was waiting for a few more things a little bit quicker. You could have had those things. Like, and she likes bonsai trees? Like, I don't know. I was waiting. I thought that was a very Grey's Anatomy moment. It made me feel like she wasn't, she didn't deliver it to me the way of like, oh, I know my girlfriend and these are the things she likes. It was very like, I think she, like, she only felt, uh, she felt like she only knew a few things about her. I felt and like it, it was, was shy and a sweet, and I felt like it was a lot of things, and like a dare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was like, <laughs> never mind. Oh, the other thing randomly that I noticed, because I thought it was funny, and I wonder if there's some designer symbolism. Um, so, when Alex messed up in the other episode and was like, you know, freaked out on Maggie and pretty much broke up with her, and she had that whole, whatever, that, my bad. Uh, monologue. She was wearing a white shirt, long sleeve, the V in the middle, and it was a really cute shirt, and everybody kind of commented on it. Why was Cara wearing the same shirt uh, when she was kind of apologizing to Monel at the end? Like, I was just kidding, JK, let's make out now. I was like, first thing I saw, I was like, wait, is that the same shirt? Are we recycling shirts? And then I was like, it's kind of cute that they're wearing the same shirt, because it could be the same shirt, and them being sisters, they could be borrowing each other's wardrobe which I think is hilarious, if that's the case. But if it's not the case, wardrobe, girl, why you... Wardrobe, you never fail us. <laughs> you never fail us. Not that it looked terrible on Cara, it looks great, but that's the same thing. And can I just show. say, I do think it is a bit of queer baiting. <laughs> I, I don't even, I'm just like, okay. I'm sorry, my Also, when's the last time flowers. you sent your friend a room full of flowers? But that's not the episode we're on. I some last week. Just what? kidding. She brought me a six pack of beer. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's what my thing was with Sanford's. I liked the prom. It was cute. Oh, why did I laugh? Because I was like, I'm going to post this picture right here. Mm-hmm, there it is. Mm-hmm, do you see that? It looks like Floriana is on The Bachelor. She's <laughs> <laughs> won the rose. <laughs> My lady. I was like, like, she's getting the final rose or like she's getting rejected. Because is it when they're like by themselves they get rejected? I, can't. I don't know. I was so done. I was like, why she is she like The Bachelor? <laughs> I, I, I thought immediately was like, after this song, this is going to get awkward. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? There's like... Maybe some, there was some, I mean, there was no bed. There was, like, no, like, extra anything. It was just, like, table. dance. With, with, rat, with um, chocolate-covered strawberries on the table. And there's, you know, is there a DJ? Like, there's music. Is there anybody running it? Is Maggie doing everything? I thought, like, all so the confused. other couples were going to come out and start dancing or something. And like, it was just them. I'm like, oh, this is going to get boring. I'm yeah. Like, Girl, can we please I actually, honestly, I would have liked a, 
a little bit like, okay, they do the dance. She sees it. Can I have this dance? Ha ha ha. Maybe one other scene. And then you see them doing like a Maggie and Alex um, Valentine's like at a diner wearing their formal wear, like doing something cute like that. Or maybe even at a gun range where they're firing in their uh, thing. I think that would have been a little bit. I, I liked know. her suit though. I oh no, that's what I'm saying. Keep the suit. That was super adorable. But I see them doing like this girly romantic thing. But them as Sanders, they would also do what Maggie likes <laughs> and go to a shooting range after. Oh, right. I right. feel like book that would have been more. Right? Yeah, bookend. Yeah. I feel like that would have been more balanced. And last but not least, what about Jean Jones? Jean is always on point. I feel like I could watch this man in a production of Fences and just be like, my heart would be crying. By the way, um, Tony. Papa Jean Jones, Spaceman. Saves the entire episode again. And when I mean episode, he saves the day. Um, not only did he save Kara to save Lena. <laughs> he gets so little face he, he, time. But then like, like, he's like, oh, I'm going to write my girlfriend on Mars. And this is how we do it. Here's also the answer to get rid of your problem without me actually being in the episode. <laughs> I'm like, how did... He always does that. He's like the most OP person in his entire and show, but somebody, nobody notices. Someone told Michael Haywood in the audition, you're going to play a green Martian, and that's what we need you to do with a serious face. And he was like, I got Nailed this. it. <laughs> you know, and the fact that him and Megan, they are just so like, ah, oh, I love them. They are the best characters that don't but ever do this show. the last scenes, I think it's really important. Um, so in the last scene, spoiler alert, Kara hooks up with Monel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on some couch. And I felt like, like I said, the scene that juxtaposed before mm-hmm. was Mr. Mr. Spitalik kind mm-hmm. of giving everything away, being like, save yourself, Kara. We can't have a universe without Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that in that last scene, the guy who comes to the door is the guy who's done the least amount of work and who also just like, still doesn't trust her and that leaves a very open book open like people are like i mean that to me leaves the relationship really open for what's going to happen in the future uh, questions was, that you have about the episode yeah. well the the ending i was like Meh, whatever i didn't really care <laughs> it was what it was um i was like good for all I the like shippers out there went into the sting song <laughs> oh my god um <laughs> it did <laughs> Yeah, so, no, I mean, it was what it was, fine. All the Carmel shippers, they love it. It's great, whatever. You had um, your episode. <laughs> you're welcome. No, um, yeah, so it was what it was. I All over, I liked the episode, but I wasn't like, ooh, the episode, like, yeah. It did make me squeeze my ankles together. It did make me clutch my pearls. That's the truth. <laughs> um, it didn't. Um, I kind of am a little disappointed you know what? Wrong word. It's not disappointed. I'm just kind of like ready to move on. I think that this season, I understand it needing to be more relationship heavy because they're about to just tear some shit apart um, in the next few episodes. But they spent this entire season. It wasn't even like an arc. It was just a theme. And they were like, we're going to go with relationships. And it's everybody has a relationship. Everybody was dealing with relationships. That's life. Fine. But it's Supergirl. I'm missing, like, what was Katniss doing in the back? Like, what were they doing while everybody was What was up? Lena doing on Valentine's? Like, what was Lena doing? What was, uh, you know, Magan like doing? I to think she what was were, drinking. What were the bounty hunters who were Marlo. after Magan doing? Like, Marlo. what, I mean, Magan, uh, Monel doing? What was everybody, what are the villains doing? Why, I'm just kind of ready for it to be an action show again. Yeah. With, but I guess that's going to come in season three. I hope. There's Cross. Fine, you gave us season two. 
but I feel like a lot of these storylines are lingering too long. Like, yeah, we still do, they still don't know Monel's a prince. Like, come on, that was like early. <laughs> like, get it together. All right. So, um, looking forward. I have to add something to my list. I think that if I were looking forward to the future of the show, I would say hire Lena full time, hire Maggie full time, hire <laughs> Megan as reoccurring guests yep. with more episodes, hire Mr. Mr. Spicklick as <laughs> reoccurring <laughs> guests because he is so damn charming. Yeah. And I guess well, those more are... action and more super girling. Anytime she yeah. throws crap or building anything, I just, I just love it. yeah, I need to see solving crimes sometimes as Carl, sometimes as Supergirl. I want to see. You know, if she's late working, how does her new boyfriend deal with it? Like, that kind of stuff, I'm fine with. But, like, I just, I'm so tired of just usual. And dial back these overly powerful men in her life because she needs to be the most powerful figure on the screen. Yeah, it's Man like, Hunter, Man Hunter is a good sidekick, but the other two dudes, they don't. Well, Man Hunter is like a um, mentor because mm-hmm. he's, you know, been around way longer than she has. And she's still a baby in alien years, if that makes sense. And I'm just kind of like. I want to see more of the DEO. I want to see more of the aliens on Earth. I want to see more of, can we please get Supergirl a damn friend? Lena doesn't count because we all know why. Can we please get Kara some damn friends? Alien friends so she can get out of her own bubble. Or her just like hang out with Wynn, them be friends again. I want real friends. Kara, here's a question for you. Mm. If you were Kara, marry, kill, or what's the other one? Marry, fuck, or kill? Marry, fuck, or kill. Mm. If I was Kara, yes. who would I marry? Okay. If I was Kara, hmm, I'd probably marry, well, if we can really go, I would say Barry Allen, The Flash, because they're effing adorable. But if we're talking about strictly Supergirl cast, then I would say she should marry Wynn. Hmm. She should... Uh, I mean, he has a good body, so I wouldn't be bad at it. I mean, she can totally sleep with Monel. That's fine. Like, let's be honest. He has practice. I'm sure he's good. Um, and then kill. I would kill Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy has a good body, too. Well, See, okay, he's friend. a black dude. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I might he's hot, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Spickalik is hot. Oh, wait. If Mr. Mix... <laughs> no, I mean everybody. Oh. Oh, yeah, no. She would probably then... I mean... If everybody. he wasn't crazy, though... Mixie, she'd probably like marry, and then she'd probably like, but she'd still kill Jimmy. <laughs> like, okay, okay. She has too many people she can sleep with. <laughs> I would have her kill Jimmy. Yeah, I would Sorry, have Jimmy. her fuck Mr. Mrs. Bickelick. It's true. <laughs> and true. I'd have her marry Lena because that's how it should be. Lena's her Edward. Oh my God, <laughs> Lena's her Edward, <laughs> and Monel is the fact Monel's that Jacob. The fact that Jin just referenced Twilight. <laughs> Hurts my soul. Uh, you know what? Actually, Mixus Big Click, still a better love story than Twilight. And Fifty Shades of Everything. Okay. So, <laughs> so thank you for listening and hanging out with us again. Um, you know, if you have any comments, concerns, or things you would like to say, you know, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Handle Wickedly Me. That's W-I-C-K-E-D-L-E-M-E. Uh, my name's Adair, and once again, this is Jen. And we look forward to reading about your What About That? <laughs>